Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, some things happened. Yes. Many things happened. Mostly tragic for women. <laughs> this is true. Uh, this week we watched uh, episodes 7 and 8, right? Right. Of Mr. Mercedes. That's Willow Lake and um, From the Ashes. Uh, before we get started... How was your week? Um, my week was interesting and uh, and actually really restful. I got a lot of writing done, though. Yay! Now, how was your week? Obviously, you had the more exciting week of the two of us. The opposite. I visited a friend. Uh-huh. I drove a lot. a lot. I am very behind in work. I woke up this morning at 4 for no reason. That wasn't work's fault. That was just my dumb brain. So this week's already, uh, people kept asking me today if I could do stuff on Thursday, and I thought Thursday was tomorrow, so I'm very discombobulated. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking, I picked up my, I re-picked up my dot journal that I stopped doing, or bullet journal that I, like, never really got into, because I realized I want a paper I can carry around with my list of stuff to do yeah. that I can keep adding to, and that seemed like a good option. So wish me luck on bullet journal. Take three. three this one, number. page one of this journal is mm-hmm. January or July of 2018. Page seven of this journal is December of 2020, and that's where it's just going to pick up. I'm fine with it. Everything's great. So uh, that's my 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 latest. Dun dun dun. It's very exciting. Let's get into this episode. We yes. started with Willow Lake. Where everything goes kablooey. Yeah, kablooey. That's what happens in this episode. There is a scene in here, and I really enjoyed these two episodes. Um, there's a scene in here that I, I thought was in, not even a scene, there's a shot that's in very poor taste. Um, but we'll talk about that, I guess, when we get to it. Okay, because I don't know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We'll start with Bill having to eat a little bit of crow, apologizing to Jerome, who's like, you are an asshole. You should apologize. And Bill says, I did apologize. And he's like, no, you didn't. Because <laughs> Bill's apology was, I was a bit of a dick. And it's like, okay, well, that's not an apology. That's a statement of fact. <laughs> uh, but he, they kind of make up because Bill has Olivia Trelawney's computer and cannot get into it because he knows, quote, Fuck all about computers. (laughs) So Jerome's going to come over and help. So they're going to meet. He's going to meet with Jerome and Holly, who was, as we remember, Olivia Trelawney's. That's not her name. Olivia Trelawney, yeah. Was it really Trelawney? Yes, I believe it was Trelawney. Let me go back. I said that without thinking. And that, yeah, I believe it was. That's also the professor from Harry Potter and I. I'm very tired, so I okay. screwed it up. Okay, uh, he he. Uh, Olivia's best friend was her niece, cousin. Well, I guess niece. It's her sister's yes, sister's so, daughter. Sister's daughter. Uh, Holly, who is thirty-one and a half years old, as we will hear her say. She's telling people several times yes. in this episode. So she embarrasses doesn't embarrass him. That's not the right word. She keeps Jerome from doing a big bad and destroying the computer. 
uh, because apparently she knows more about encryption and thing and computers than Jerome does. So now we should discuss her briefly. Okay, let's um, talk about Holly. Because I love her. I knew <laughs> that you were going to love her. I knew but it already. I'm reading the, the the reviews of the character, and they're they just basically it seems like Stephen King loved her. I mean, uh, he's cited as saying that. Um, I, w- I love Holly. I wish she were a real person. She just walked in the first book. She just walked in on the first book she was in, Mr. Mercedes, and she was more or less stole the book and stole my heart. Mm-hmm. He admits that, which right. is why she's probably such an affectionate portrayal. Right. Um, and I think so that Cynthia Riva's doing a different thing in The Outsider, right. and we'll talk about her. It's, right. a, it's, we, it's a different right, thing that she's take. doing, but it's also the same thing that no. she's doing. The issue is, it seems when I'm reading character descriptions of her, they just, they ascribe everything to her. We know that she's somewhere in the spectrum, but yes, there are descriptions of autism and synesthesia, and God knows what else they're ascribing to this character. Right. But well, we a lot of things uh-huh. come along with autism, right. especially um, in a person who is pretty autistic and also pretty verbal, because uh-huh. a lot of times, sort of. Stronger autism comes with lack of um, the ability to speak. Uh-huh. Uh, so oh, yes. when right, so when they come together in a sort of stronger presentation, a lot of that comes along with yes, anxiety, stimming, synesthesia. Which the actress OCD. Like, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. Last name Justine Loopy. I think it's Loopy, but yeah. I don't know. Um. She does that really well, and also captures a quality of making the character endearing. Yes, uh, very. She's guileless. She doesn't. Yes, she, and it, that is the whole thing with Holly right. is she's kind of easy to be around because uh-huh. she just tells you what's going on. And right. yeah, it's weird for people to say those things about themselves. Yeah, um, and the situation. But it would be way easier if we just did that. Well, she also is very, um, she's, of course, ridiculously intelligent. That's one right. quality that, that we're aware of. Right. And she has this sort of antagonistic relationship with her mother. Her mom's a piece of work. She's just really impatient with the fact that she has to put up with this daughter. Well, this is a woman who had a child with an expectation of what that child was going to be and what motherhood was going to be, and then she had an autistic child, and it is a different type of motherhood and a different type of person. Yes, and I I think that she... And she has just decided she's going to treat it like... Right. She also seems to be very upset that, uh, as again, she tells us, Holly does, that she's 31... And a half 31 and a half years old. And that she's still living at home, and so mother also sees the, the, the burden of taking care of well, I don't even think it's this person the rest of their lives. That. I think that mother has determined that she will never be older than eight, mm-hmm. and that is the agency that she is going to be afforded. Right. There, You know what I mean? She treats her like, not eight, 11. Well, yeah. She's about. She's got the agency about of an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. You can go get sandwiches with this guy, but you're not staying somewhere other than yes. with us. And that makes the major break. Oh, the the reason why I thought we should talk about her is that she really fills up space in these two episodes. She does. As for as slight as she is, right. um, she does a lot of the breathing. And she does also she pulls effectively a Watson. 
she does. Which is that she puts humanity into a character um, that, as we know, is not altogether likable. Uh, yeah, but he, also... I mean, he's, he, so does Jerome. Jerome also does yeah. the, the, the job effectively of humanizing. Oh, every, everybody around Bill does right. that because um, his neighbor does it as well. But when we see, it's, like I said, the Holmes and Watson dynamic, when we see Bill around Holly, he's aware, aware of try, sort of bonding with her the same way he would bond with his daughter. Right. He also, re- he likes mm-hmm. Holly. He likes the guilelessness. Yeah. He likes that she just says what she means. Yeah. And he doesn't have to puzzle her out. Um or and, and doesn't even try to cajole, really. He understands when she doesn't want to tell him something, why she doesn't want to tell him something, and then she he endeavors to fix the the thing. And she'll just come to a dead stop. I don't want to answer that question. Yeah, I don't I don't feel comfortable but answering that question. And then when of, he proves himself to right. be trustworthy and genuine with her, then I feel like right. I now I can answer that question. Like, I love the scene where she does correct Jerome's mistake. Because Jerome doesn't take it personally. No, he Instead, handles it very well. He's made a new friend. Yes. And you can see that relationship really, it's really funny. Would you mind shaking my, my right hand? Or what she it? says, would it, because he says, it's a pleasure to meet you. And he shakes her hand. Uh-huh. And then there's, they sit down in the in the booth at the same shop that we've seen, the diner that we've seen before. Um, and she like, like three or four um like sentences into the conversation right. just as like um would it be would you still o- be pleased to meet me would you, no, would it would it be okay if you were pleased to meet me but right. with your left hand and right. he's like okay and he just does yeah. it. and so that, that actually sets up a really good dynamic because Jerome's a good kid Jerome's a very good kid and that's so, the, that is yeah. and I love the actor they got I don't know who this kid is uh-huh. he is adorable. Uh-huh. He is very much going to be a heartbreaker when he gets older. He's, I mean, he uh, is probably now as well, well because realistically he's friend. probably 26. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but I mean just the oh, actor okay, himself. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's very... Um, he's really embodying the character that I remember from the books in a way that I really am enjoying. And yeah, he's like I guess to be a black kid in this pretty white, pretty poor community, uh-huh. and he's clearly like middle to upper class for right. this community, but this yeah. whole community has been suffering. I mean, it opens with a huge line to a job fair, and constantly we're seeing, especially um, in the Brady storyline, how... Uh, sort of on the razor's edge employment in this community is. Um, and, you know, he he's maybe supernaturally open-minded for a 16 to... Mm. or a 17-year-old kid. Uh, but it's nice. It's I, like, I it's great. This one, I'm looking at... And we only get bits and pieces of his character as the story goes along. Right. Because it's primarily, there's a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters. Um, 
Although less and less going forward. (laughs) After these two episodes, we've got a few less characters. There is an element about what we used to say in my neighborhood is that he was brought up right. Right. Because yes. you get the sense from his dad. His dad does the old fashioned thing of going up to Bill's house, right. knocking on the door, and being treated with respect. He's not going to put up with not. Well, that was the other thing. The, the that the reason mm-hmm. that Jerome was mad. Right. Exactly. Was and that he it wasn't treated with it's respect. It's a reflection on the on the father. That, on the father saying you demand yeah. the respect that you're owed, yeah. but you don't. You're not better than anybody, but yeah. you're not, you're as good as everybody, and you deserve the same respect that anybody exactly. else gets. And so there's a... It reminds me of, do you remember, like, two years ago, there was a video circulating of a dad and his daughter, and she was maybe two or three, mm. and they were doing a little thing in the mirror, mirror and they did it every day, and mm. it was like, you're beautiful, but you're not more beautiful than anybody else. You know, you're smart, but you're not smarter than anybody else. Like, building her up and giving her these little mantras, but then also also making sure that she didn't turn into, like, some sort of... Entitled. Entitled princess, right. And it was... It was really beautiful to see this dad and his daughter just doing their morning <laughs> ablutions or whatever. I like it. And, uh, and it felt to me like that was the kind of uh, raising of Jerome yeah. that, was, that was happening. We haven't met his mom, but we've met his sister, sister and we've met his dad. Briefly. Yeah. Um, so, and, and yeah, and Jerome, yes, takes Holly's. Holly basically is like, um, I, uh, would it be out of line to say that if you did that, you would destroy everything? Mm. Like, she doesn't want to be, like, she doesn't want to come in and be like, listen here, numb nuts. Well, see, <laughs> but she I'm, also doesn't want him to destroy everything. What I like about this scene is that she seems to also be attracted to Jerome on some level as well. I mean, he's... Um, very cute. But I like She also that, is very much older than him, but really also not very right. much older than him. And yeah. so what's fun about that scene is that when Bill realizes that he's a third wheel. Yeah, he's like, he gets, I can't do anything. And he gets a call from Janie. Right. And so she's telling him, go be with Janie. Well, I first see. she he's like, Bill gets the call from Janie and uh-huh. she's like, um, and he's like, well, I'm going to just leave you here. Can you give her a ride home? Right. Okay, can can Jerome? Can you drive Holly back when you guys are done? And she was like, well, you you're leaving. Like I don't know this person. I don't know." And then Jerome was like, "Well, I can't do this without you." So, well, it's, you know, it's I giving need... her some value, and that's mm-hmm. what she's been lacking all this time. Yes, and so because the... her 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 mother sees her as a problem right. to overcome. And Justine Loopy, given that's her name again, sure. Let's hope um, so. She does a great job. You can read it in her face where she's thrilled that she's being independent now. Just the same way that going to get sandwiches with Bill was a big deal yes. for her. Now, because they're also right. treating her like a they're, full they're ex- adult person. They are dealing with whatever her issues are without being angry or being impatient. Or being infantilizing. Right. Or talking to her. They all talk to her. Yeah. Like she's a an equal, right. not like she is less than they are for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, which I don't think, if most of her dealings are with her parents, 
she gets ever. No. And maybe she only got it with Olivia. And maybe that's that why they were the best friends. Olivia seemed to be almost dependent on her. And and so And apparently most of what they did, uh-huh. according to a later scene, um, is they talked or they played online a game that's basically boggle. But you play they they weren't with friends. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was their main interaction and they did it all the time. Um so Bill decides to bounce. Holly and Jerome get together on the same side of the booth, which is always awkward, and are working together, and Holly with her glass of chocolate milk, and they're trying to crack passwords because there's a text file that they can't open. And the text file is labeled sessions, and it's encrypted, and Holly's like, Olivia would never, she doesn't know anything about encrypting this, she didn't do this. Um, so they know at some point somebody had to put something on her computer. We'll get back to that. Right. Do you want to follow that that line, or do you want to go to? Well, let's just keep going. Um, okay. Well, I mean, do you want to follow this storyline, or do you want to switch over to Brady? We can switch over to Brady. Okay. So Brady uh-huh. gets to work. Lou, like, he goes to go to the back, and Lou is like, "Don't do that." The the district head or whatever. The big wigs are back there with, uh, she calls him Roby. That's right. I, I had forgotten that. Uh, and it's Frobisher is his full name, but she calls him Roby. And she's like, you don't want to go back in there. And there's going to be a company wide meeting in a half an hour. At which point we are treated to a wannabe Alec Baldwin. That was the first thing that came to mind. I, I oh yeah, this dude I, I is recall, and I want to post this asshole. on, uh, on the, the the Facebook. You want to post the scene because although there's really offensive language in it, he he does you know. Oh my god, yeah, he's but, a homophobe. Yeah, he's a racist. But uh, the, the yeah. scene the scene from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Where Alec Baldwin's sales character is yes. just berating them by using every homophobic slur, yeah. every, and he's just pushing how successful he is, and that was the same. Like, oh, I, I, this is I could see where that scene came from. Yeah, um, and yeah. This guy is just a again, piece of work. I well, can't wait till Brady kills him. (laughs) He's one where I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. It will be no loss to the world. Yeah, no, this dude basically is like, y'all are a bunch of shits. uh, They're not meeting the 6% Mm -hmm. um, sales over, or you have to get the the whole... Coffees for closers. (laughs) Yes. The whole thrust is that the company needs to make 6% over what they made the year before, which is not how anything works but that's fine and he's only making five percent and it's up it's because of the shitty employees and yeah. then he basically plays a eeny meeny miny mo pointing his hand like a gun at right. each of their heads and then fires lou by telling her he calls, uh, her, he calls her degenerate right and is what he calls her um and then it's like uh you know and then security comes and escorts her out of right. the fucking building. It's and she's like, "This is bullshit. You don't even know." Like she was making the schedule. Uh-huh. Like she's probably the best employee they right. have. But 
you know, and I was like, oh, is it, does it mean she does, she like wears cut off sleeves? Cause that's, that was her quote unquote lesbian look for right. today. I don't know what it when means. When we saw her off duty, it's like, oh, okay, that's more of a lesbian. Again. And then, yeah, she came in off duty. Berkeley lesbians. Berkeley, we yeah, not, sure. Not but like. Ohio lesbians, which might be a whole But honestly, thing. if I was going to get my computer serviced and this mm-hmm. is the person that came to me, I'd be like, sure. She probably knows what she's doing. I don't know. Yeah, but you're cool. Well, <laughs> you're not one of It's not guys. even that I'm cool. It's that that's the. It's well, so stupid. It is stupid. <laughs> but I'm glad that, and that's something we learn later on, is that she is suing them. And that, yes, that is the appropriate response. To it. That was so distracting to have that at the beginning of the episode, because the entire rest of the time I'm going, she's going to sue them, right? You know, you can't just obviously discriminate against a person in a room. This guy gave himself away. Yeah. By uh, And really, this dude actually kind of embodies... The over and an overarching villain for this right. entire series, right? The people wouldn't have died at the beginning if they weren't waiting outside at five a.m. Right, for exactly. a job fair because they were desperate to work. Um, you know, Brady pro Brady Brady's gonna Brady, so I don't know. Brady's yeah. gonna murder somebody. Uh, so but like to have this constant harping on profits and what and your value to the company which is basically zero like the 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 yes the the scene that where he's doing this firing is like the grossest capitalism that i've seen in television in a long time like it's just blatantly and it's it's what companies think like it's a hundred percent accurate that uh, that they no longer say that shit out loud but like that's what that's what they're doing. That's the numbers they're running when they don't close yeah. because of COVID. It's, it, it, you know, this it's guy the is same. A, a person who exists in the world, and unfortunately, there's far too many of them. Yes. Uh, so uh, he fires Lou. Uh, oh, because the whole thing is we have to make up this one percent difference somewhere, and it's coming out of your hides. Right. And I'm like, there's no way your, well, first of all, I bet your salary would cover it, asshole. (laughs) Um, And nobody does anything to stick up for her. As she's looking to Frobisher and looking to Brady to do something, they don't do shit. Well, Frobisher, when it's finished, he gives this, guy, gives a thumbs this up. guy a thumbs up. He's not doing that and because he agrees he with it. it he's, he's a coward. He's a he's a bootlicker. That's what he's that's yeah. all it is. He's just grateful his head wasn't on the chopping yeah. block. I just didn't know if this was also I him. mean it was he wild. He does not like her anyhow. No, he does he doesn't although he, I <laughs> I don't think he doesn't like her. I think he thinks about her the same way that the the capitalist thinks about mm. her. Um she her own self is a detriment to the business I'm trying to do. Right. right? But he also knows she's his best, she's his best employee. She and Brady are the best employees there. She's startling. Brady is it. But the other, the one thing about that scene that I did really like was at the beginning, Frobisher is sort of sitting behind his desk. The, the executive is sitting at his desk and he's sort of sitting behind his desk and the dude just goes, you can sit over there with them. And Frobisher takes like 
a good 30 seconds to move because he's like, I mean, yeah, that's not what he meant. No, he fucking did. <laughs> and I think at that point he thought, oh, I might be fucking Maybe fired. This right is now. the reason why I like these two episodes because they're filled with really good, strong, dramatic scenes. There are, they Both are, of them are, they are. Just, they're just a jump above what we've been seeing. It, especially the scenes with, um, our masturbating serial killer. They tend to have a sameness. It's a predictability. Yeah. You don't like these people. You don't like him or his mom. Yeah. So when his mom makes her attempt to grope towards the light, um, you're not yeah. particularly on her side either because she still is a pedophile. Yes. No. So, or a pederast or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the appropriate term is. Uh, yeah, I don't. So it's very hard to... Abuser. She's yeah. an abuser. So it's very hard to sit with her for an hour and go, I'm really invested in whether or not she makes it to stop drinking, because she still is what she is. She, yes. So right. when the episode focuses on Jerome, or it focuses on Holly, or it focuses on Lou, these are people that you can go, oh, I'm I'm behind those guys. Yeah. And it does start to feel like the sociopath next door. Like, these people are just caught. They're the ones that are like, you would never guess, although all of them would guess. They would all guess. Um, so, yeah, we see um, a scene with Brady outside, and he's stabbing with a box cutter. He's, sta- like, stabbing the shit out of this box. Right. He's mad. He wants to, like, he's mad about Lou. Right. Um, because... He is a sociopath, but he does have a connection with her. Yeah. Um, and Frobisher comes out and lights up a joint, and I'm like, of fucking course he does. <laughs> and uh, offers it to Brady, who does not accept it, and Brady's breaking down these boxes, breaking down these boxes. And then we get to have Frobisher being a fucking condescending dick again, even though you just got fucking dressed down in front of all of your yeah. employees. And he's like, you know, yesterday I thought I was moving up and I thought you thought you were moving up and Lou thought she was going to be employed. And today bottoms dropped out of, you know, I I'm still, you know, the bottoms dropped out, dropped out from me and Lou, but you, you somehow come out smelling like a rose. And he's like, but I'm going to make a plan in two years. I'll be where I wanted to be anyways, mm-hmm. but you'll still be you. And what could be lamer? And he's like, well, sometimes it turns out things just work out for me. Like, try to buy a Hot Pocket. I went in. I went to the store the the other day, Uh, and I wanted a Hot Pocket. I wanted a pepperoni Hot Pocket. When I got there, there were no pepperoni Hot hot Pockets. There was steak, and there was meatball, no pepperoni. And I was like, fuck, you know? Like, that's what he says. And uh, And then as I was getting ready to leave, the stock girl comes out. With dozens of pepperoni hot pockets, and I bought four. I was just like, "Yeah, like I, things it, just work out for it you." Reminded for him. me in this weird, abstract kind of way of the the vice presidential debate. Uh, the difference between Kamala Harris and Pence, which mm. is this woman lost her son, and Pence is saying, "Well, that person lost their business," and you're going, "Those things aren't equal." It's, How do you what? Yeah, it's the, mm. that's what writing does. It makes people lose their business. Yeah, but this other person lost their child. Wow. And it was that same kind of um, kind of weird. I understand that Lou lost her job, 
Sorry. But things will work out for me like that. Hot Pockets time. Like, you know? Well, it's not just... I think it wasn't even just that. It was like, yeah, I sm- I'm coming out smelling like a rose. Sure. I'm literally in the exact same place I was in yesterday. Right. Um, but see, I don't think he has any ambition to move anywhere because right now... He doesn't. His ambition is to kill more people. Right His now, ambition is to run a company. Everything. He is. And so... And he doesn't want responsibility. If that's there's not... any change in his dynamic... Right, it's going to be too much, and he's Which not going to be able to do the other things. His mother back into alcoholism. He's not able to do right. things. You want to speak? Talk about Deb now. Deb's uh, back at home, mm-hmm. snooping, snooping. Pro tip: <clears throat> If you have an adult child living at home, don't snoop. Yeah, you don't. I repeat, you do not want to know what they're up to if they're not telling you. Don't can worry about There's it. There's a reason why they're not telling. You. Uh, so she finds. Some piping. I'm like, ooh, is he fixing the carbon monoxide her in her sleep? <laughs> that is the first thing I thought about when she, he, he found she found all of that like um, tubing, plastic tubing, which he then later tells her you go, gets used in computers. I'm like, she's right. That's bullshit. And she finds his emo journal. Well, first she finds the mask. Yeah. The clown mask, which she does not know what its significance is, but she knows there's some significance. And the the journal, actually, I don't think she found. I think she had. I think she got that out of her room because I, later. I she pulled it out of the mattress. That's what it looked like, but I think yeah. it was her mattress because later he said, I thought you got rid of all those. And she said, I kept one oh, okay. to remember what you were like. Well, so see, I think that she's keeping that we got for herself. A little piece of information there that we didn't have before, which is that she's fully aware of the fact that he is at least potentially dangerous. Yes. And that she has not taken the steps to have anything done with him, which makes her even a worse parent than she I mean, I'm not sure molesting your kid is like there's yes. a scale. So she's she's all, like you, know, you said that you useless. changed. And he was like, I have changed, what does he say, from the t- from the soles of my shoes to the crown of my head. And then he kisses her in a real weird way that I don't like. Um, but yeah, he had this, you know, a very emo teen journal, yes. A very Columbine-y right. type there, journal. There's something else there that links into something that we talked about earlier, which is, did mom know when little brother fell down the stairs that this was... She watched him put that toy in that boy's hand. She knew something wasn't right. But But I also don't think that she was able to consciously admit, I have lost my husband, Mm -hmm. I have lost my child, and I'm about to lose the only other family I have. I just don't think she could do it. I think it broke her. I think she may have dissociated that part of her right. when there's actual blood in his journals and when he was doing them she was um she was recommended by his school apparently to admit him to a psychiatric facility which she did not do and he keeps saying because you couldn't afford it yeah and she kept not doing it because she couldn't afford it and because he was bringing home income right so yeah, that's why. What she doesn't make any money. She's just kind of an all-around prize. This one. Well, she's 
not had it easy, yeah, but well, has not that, made it easier. St- there are people now dead because of her. I, I think what I hold her... Because of what? I feel like... If, he, if she had threatened to put him away, he would have killed her. Well, so, not when he was out murdering her other child. He was far too no, small No, he was for too that. small. But... She went along The state these, of Ohio, what do you uh, think they I, were doing? See, I can't speak to the I mean, that's Ohio. the thing. Like, right. the likelihood that she was getting the assistance that she needed mm-hmm. or would have been able to if she'd sought it out is very... I, I, will, I will tell you, it's small. Our social safety nets no, are terrible. But it just so. like there was... She has, or what this episode told me, is that she has had at least an awareness of his yes. potential. But we, we knew that the whole time. I didn't know for sure. Now I do, because she brought it out in the open and said, you know... You, she you wouldn't have snooped in his... Yeah, she wouldn't have snooped in his room. And and she know you like every time I see her trying to get into his areas, uh-huh. that's when I know that like yes, that niggling voice in her head of something is wrong right. is getting louder. So let's travel over to Bill and Janie, who go to the funeral home, uh-huh. uh, run by Ida's son. Runs it was it used to be owned by Ida. Now it's run by her son. Uh-huh. When they go there, Ida's there as well. Right. Which makes, she makes it a little awkward for Bill, which is rude, but um, not in front of Janie. Janie does right. not know what's well, happening. Well, no, because she has a lot more respect than that. Um, And, you know, says, you know, she's lovely. Mm-hmm. And just leaves it at that. And they set up uh, the the funeral and the wake. Uh, Bill offers information about caterers and, you know, all that good stuff because he's local and she isn't. And then they go back to the house and uh, she's working on the eulogy and he's like, what did you like about her? And she's like, I don't know. Like, she's written basically her history and her Mm -hmm. CV Nothing really about her at As that point. As a person who's had to do that, yes, yeah. it's a difficult thing to do. It's like, okay, tell yeah. me about your dad. Well, the, you know, where do you even start? Right? With that? Do you want demographic information? Well, no. Yeah. Everybody who's here knows the demographic information, right. right? So, but and and she knows that. She's like, I'm not, you know, reciting her biography, but you know, and so and Bill actually really helps her with that, which is very sweet. And then she kisses him, and then they. They uh, adjourn to the bedroom, apparently, because then we cut to the next morning where mm-hmm. we presume that um, Holly and Jerome <laughs> got home okay. Yeah, we don't know <laughs> we, much about that. We don't know. So the next morning, um, Janie wakes up there and Bill's made her breakfast, which is very sweet. And uh, he brings up after the funeral... I'd like to take you away for a little bit. And she's like, um, yeah, I got to bounce. I got to go. I'm going back to California, uh, which is where she lives. And he's like very hurt by that. Very obviously hurt by that. And she's like, if I stay here, I'm going to fall in love. And that is a different person. I'm not the person who can do that right now. So I got to go. And that's some solace to him. 
Like at I, least I like the fact that she even said that again. I'm really yeah. appreciating how adult everyone is. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's not. Yeah, she's not fixing to ghost him. Like that's yeah. not. She's not just using him. She's like, I really could fall in love with you, and uh-huh. I am the 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 girl who fell in love with people is a different person than who I am, and I can't go yeah. back to that. So, which is a little bit like a sad thing to hear because it's like, well, is she basically discounting love for the rest of her life or is she just waiting until she comes through whatever it is she's in to, to, so yeah, it is sad, but he, like, he doesn't, he's not going to pick a fight. It's certainly not on the day of her mother's funeral. And then we, um, go to Elizabeth's, um, funeral and we don't really see it at that time we see them sort of filtering out um and and uh, holly's been overcome she was uh-huh. overwhelmed she did not eat that morning and uh her mom her mom accuses about making about it's herself about which you. is how could you make your aunt's funeral about which you. is wild Lovely. and then holly's like can i get a ride home with you bill and bill's like mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, you know that's not a good idea. She's like, "Why?" <laughs> like, uh, basically backing him into it. Right. So he and 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 her mom's like, "Good idea. I'm gonna go." So yeah. they're going off to wherever the wake is, uh, and Bill gets a call about the caterer, or Janie gets a call about the caterer, and Bill's like, "Well, let me talk to them because he knows them," and she's like, "Okay, give me your keys, and I'll go grab the car." And we see Brady sitting in there in the parking lot. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. You know what's going to happen next. And then Janie goes, bloop, bloop, opens the car, gets in the car, driving down towards the church, and kablooey. Uh, Brady detonates the... He's, he broke in while Bill was in the shower. Mm-hmm. And sw- switched phones with him so that he had the detonator to the car bomb that he then put in this car when he took the the key or the code with his machine mm-hmm. um, in the parking lot the day that Janie's mom died. And um, and then Bill is very upset and it's very quiet. We see the outside, after the explosion outside, we don't hear any sound anymore. We just see them being upset and burning and then the sound we hear and the flashback we get is Janie giving the eulogy that she had sort of agonized over. That was the shot that bothered me because it felt like you're having this emotional moment and this really interesting interpretation of heaven is not as being timeless so that she's already there with her mother. Right. And with her sister. No, with her mother. Both. Sorry, with both. both. And <laughs> what bothered me was either an editing mistake or just in really poor taste, which is when she's mentioning there'll be roast beef cooking, we see uh, her hand on fire oh. outside of You know, of the car. I, like, I don't I don't hate that actually. I mean I just it just feels like that was a bad joke or a, a pun. Yeah, I don't I don't I, I think it was uh, sort uh, of a juxtaposition of what heaven is and mm-hmm. what the reality that we are living in is. Right. And the idea, yes, that she talks about during the eulogy is is that her mom thought that the afterlife was timeless, that time was a human right. construct that it 
that heaven or the afterlife or and the before life, right? Mm. Because she talks about all the people who haven't been born yet um, are all in this place. And for that, for her mom, it was Willow Lake. And she had an Afghan over her lap and fire was going and mm-hmm. there was, yeah, a I roast cooking. Like that was a cheap shot. I didn't hear, because she, they didn't say roast beef. She said, oh, there's a roast. Uh-huh. It smells like a roast. Yeah, and, it was and so, I didn't, I, and yeah. I maybe looked away because I didn't notice that at all. Um, her dad's there and Olivia's there mm-hmm. and. And it's a lovely, lovely speech. That's why I felt like it was sort of. You know, that, I'm that there. Sort of yeah. And but, then that yeah. our life is our dream and God's dream. And when we, w- and then we wake up and my mother's awake now. And then mm-hmm. Janie is awake now. And we see, um, Bill just being devastated right. um, because it's his car. That's yeah. the other thing. It's not her rental. It's not that. Well, Holly's not doing good, too. I liked her sort of spinning winter shins covering her ears because of the noise. Yes. Well, and, and like, what the fuck just happened? Right. And and we we get news clips in the next episode uh-huh. where it was one was killed, 12 were injured. Right. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, an an isolated but, uh, thing. Was, other than, you know, like I said, what I thought was a bad juxtaposition of images. Other than that, that scene's done really well, because it you do see random strangers wandering around, staggered and dazed. There are characters that you've never seen before, will never see again. Just no, sort of walking well, the because explosion. keep in mind they had literally just right. walked out of a so funeral, the, well, so it feels genuine, and that's what makes it sort of upsetting is the fact that it does it. it carries the feeling of being something that just happened where I remember after the earthquake and uh, the Lone Prieta quake, um, 10 or 15 minutes after it happened, I had to go over to my brother's job to see if he was okay because we worked a few blocks away from each other. And um, it was weird like that. There were just people staggered around looking, you know, at each other as if somebody else had the answer. Yeah. So there was a feeling of authenticity to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was really, it was a startling ending. And mm-hmm. then, because I watched them back to back, I don't know if you watched them back yeah, to back. Did you notice the beginning of the next episode? Yeah. Where the same theme song has play, is playing. Uh-huh. And every time we go back to Bill, who normally we see waking up, mm-hmm. brushing his teeth, wa- walking around, this, that, and the other. Every it's time we go back to him, right. he's laying in bed. Yeah. And that, then we go to the turtle, yeah. and then or the tortoise, excuse me. Tortoise. We go back to him, and he's laying in bed. We go out to the other people that we see, and then mm-hmm. we go back to him, and he's laying in bed. Um, and it's really effective. I yeah. really like the way they're using the titles in this show. I right. think it's very cool. And also, the song is a good choice. Yeah. Um, and finally, he gets up, gets on gets on the computer, and uh, Brady is pinging him, taunting him, basically being like, I did it. It was me. Well, he thinks Not that Bill didn't know that it was him. opportunity to try to talk him to suicide. Yeah. Right. Except she's not aware that he's going to be rescued. Um, and so <laughs> he says all these big tragedies come down to car access <laughs> and then taunts him that uh, it was your fault. You know, you shouldn't. Why'd you let her? Why'd you let her drive your car? 
Uh, and then Ida comes in to make sure Bill's okay. And he freaks out and it's like, you need to get out, get out, get out. Right. And he slams his laptop shut. So they're, they're cut off. And uh, Brady is smirking. And uh, so that's what he's doing. And he keeps yelling to his mom, I'm busy. Mom is making dinner. Chopping up some peppers. No, I saw this one coming. Some mushrooms, oh. some onions. Oh, I I saw it yeah. coming too from forever ago. And uh she goes into the freezer. Oh, we've got some ground meat in here. I'm gonna go ahead and throw some ground beef in this dish that I'm making. And she cooks it up, she takes a couple of bites, tastes a little weird, she adds a little soy sauce, fixes it. Because that'll fix it, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not I mean that's not incorrect. She, like, tries to get Brady to come up, and he's like, I'm busy. And she's like, it's going to get cold. She keeps eating it, keeps eating it. And then she goes over to the sink. She's Her stomach is, like, making gurglies. Mm-hmm. And then significantly worse than gurglies. And, y'all, she has eaten the rat-poisoned hamburger. It is a bad time. It does not work out for her. He finds her. Um, she says to call 911. He goes to do it and then stops because mm-hmm. I think he realizes, I don't know how I'm going to explain this. Explain this. And he um, tries to make her throw up. Uh-huh. And does. she does. Right. Yes. <laughs> so not for a meta, folks, right. everybody. This um, scene And was... he's trying to like Heimlich her right. almost. And but she is like, she's clearly vomiting up her stomach. She's right. dying. This whole scene is really well done. It, it seems really to be is taking place but it's in real time. Rough. Uh, Kelly Lynch deserves some kind of award yes, for doing this. She was she was very very good. I think she did a lot of research into what this. I think so too. Do. Her and body, the makeup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was makeup. also done very well because uh-huh. what comes out of her first is a foam. Right. Like a white foam, yeah, and then blood. She starts There's, coughing up blood. Her whole body goes into this. Sort her of eyes, rictus. they do the red. Yes, her yeah, body. Yes, she starts seizing. It's like yeah, she, it's a really physical scene. It is. She looks possessed, right? Because her eyes are red. Right, she's right. choked out basically, and her like her, her eyes, eyes have hemorrhages. Her mouth are all bleeding. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's it it is a really tough scene. Our our other roommate. Walked in on that scene and then very probably walked out and go like, no, so like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want this. this. I don't want to see it. It's fine. It's cool. But uh, yeah, that that was a really fine piece of acting and also just and so he Brady literally walks from from celebrating this mm-hmm. win he has over Bill and this right. murder he just committed into this murder he also just committed without yeah. meaning to. But is there? I mean, he definitely murdered his mom. You don't put there's you don't put poison meat in the uh, freezer for yeah. any length of time around a, an alcoholic. Like that's going to get at what are you doing? You meant to do that. So, some part of you meant to do that. I think that he um the part that's going to affect him going forward is the fact that he had to prevent himself from trying to rescue her. I will say that it was completely useless. There's nothing you could have done at that point. No. She ingested far too much of it, and yeah. the her that would have come back would have not, no, you know, no, no, no. Now, someone he's able to take care of, at least. 
Um, to say the least. So Brady then cleans up his mother, uh-huh. puts her in pajamas, puts her in her bed, and covers her up. Uh-huh. And my presumption then would be that he was going to act like he found her in bed. Right. But he still would have to explain why she's poisoned. He would poisoned. still have to explain why she's poisoned. But right. a suicide's not a... Yeah. Although she's been cleaned up pretty but I, significantly. Yeah. But then later in a scene when their neighbor had come over to have lunch with him and bring a package. Well, not lunch with him, lunch with her. Right. And bring a package. He tells her, oh, she moved out to some Reno or something um, to open a salon with a friend. It's been a, like a lifelong dream. So yeah. I'll let her know that you're... You know, so he's just fixing to leave this corpse in this yes, bedroom later forever. In the, the episode we have a what I can only refer to as William Fa- William Faulkner moment, um, where he goes up and sits there and has a conversation with mom. Mm. Not a Hitchcock moment. Well, feels a little psycho to you, me. Uh, did you ever read a Rose for Emily? The one uh, we, no. Oh, okay. Well, there's a yeah, but it felt like that same sort of yes, the same territory. Where, you know, I'm going to sit here and tell mom about the time that I was naughty with another woman. I hope you're not jealous. It's very disturbing. Mom is very dead at this point. I'm wondering if that was the actual actress or some kind of prosthetic substitute. Because she's very, very still. I can't imagine, you know. But, and, and there's no sparing of details. She's covered with flies, really. They keep buzzing into the scene. It's it's not pretty at all. But it also gives you the impression of whatever he's going to do, he's going to have to do it right away. Because this part of his plan is going to be discovered. Right. You can't hide a corpse and, you know, think that no one's going to find out about it. He seemed to be particularly peeved also that the na- that his mom had any life beyond him. Because when the neighbor comes up to the door and says, you know, I was supposed to meet your mom for lunch. He looks a little irritated. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you guys were dating or whatever. And he's like, I wasn't dating. dating. I was just, I was just being a neighbor, you. right? Like, yeah. Um, so meanwhile, on Bill's end, he now realizes that Brady is going to attack the people he loves. And first and foremost in his mind is his daughter, who will not fucking take his call. So he... Yeah takes Ida's car and drives to the facility where she is. They don't want to let her in. There are, like, very strict mm-hmm. um, visiting uh, protocols, and he's, like, standing there in a rage, just a just a sweaty mess yelling about how he was a cop, and sometimes you have to take protocols and shove them, you know, right. where the sun don't shine. He didn't say that, but that's the kind of thing. Um, and so he finally gets a hold of her and is like, you, you can't leave here. Like you're safe here, but you can't leave here. Cause this guy's going to go after everybody who's close to me. And she's like, did you go, did you talk to mom? And he's like, no, and I don't think it's an issue. <laughs> and I was like, so, mom's, mom's, uh, I mean, I'm down to see Nancy Travis. That's not what I, it is. I don't know. I it's don't, more that right. I think if Brady knows that his, but Bill's given name is Kermit. Yeah. He also knows when the last time Bill had anything to do with his wife was, and it was years and years and years ago. 
Yeah, I, I, I keep saying at the very top of the, the list on Wikipedia for recurring characters, Nancy Travis is listed there. There's no listing of, of Holly. It's, an, it's very weird. You know, like, that is weird. But it's also possible that Nancy Travis is in more episodes in later seasons. Okay. So. Um, but I have yet to see her. Yeah. Uh, and then he drives all the way back. And meanwhile, Holly is having a conversation with her mom. Her mom wants to pack up and go. And Holly's like, we can't, they have, they, they are not releasing the body until next week. We can't leave. And Charlotte is done with the whole affair. She basically blames Jamie for her own death for bringing Bill Hodges into mm-hmm. their life in the first place. He, she blames Bill for the death of her sister, mm-hmm. the death of her mom, and now the death of her other sister. Fuck this Bill Hodges, dude. I don't, I'm not staying here anymore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm leaving. We're leaving. We're all leaving. And Holly's like, I'm 31 and a half years old. I don't have to go anywhere. And she's like, get in the car. And Holly's like, no. And then she leaves and uh, shows up at Bill's house. And she's like, uh, she's parked in front of his house when he gets home. And he does not handle it well. He pulls a gun on her. Nothing happens. Everything's fine. And she's like, I'm 31 and a half years old and I don't have to go home. I'm going to stay here. And Bill's like, you can't stay here. And she's like, I'm going to, though. So here we are. Well, that's just a, a choice that she's made. She's, yes, she's not this is anywhere. what's happening. And those scenes are really endearing, too. And they, but, yeah, and yeah. they walk in the house, and Charlotte gets, calls. And uh-huh. he's like, it's your mom. And she's like, I don't want to talk to her. And he's like, oh, you're talking to her. I'm not talking to her, so you're definitely talking to her. So she has this conversation, and then she takes some medicine. Mm-hmm. And then she's he's like, she's like, it's a prescription for my nerves. And he goes, okay, how many are you supposed to take? She goes, the doctor said no more than three a day. And he goes, and that looks like more than three. And she's like, well, then I probably shouldn't drive. And um, yeah, I should probably lay down. And so he takes her up to his daughter's old room. Uh-huh. And she goes and she uh, lays down on the bed because she's now taking a, quite a significant amount of anti-anxiety meds. And that's what you want to do. Lay the fuck down. And she looks up and she's like, uh, there are, she says there are cumulonimbus clouds on the ceiling because the, the clouds have been mm-hmm. painted on the ceiling. And he's, he says, yeah, she really liked the, the um, constellations when she was little so I did this and he turns off the light and then stars right. and she's like you gave her the universe and he Which goes really it's sweet. just some stickers <laughs> it, it brought back memories because I did that to my son's bedroom yeah when he was real little yeah yeah yeah, yeah. because he had trouble falling asleep so it's like can't all those things yeah. yes right um, yeah no it was very sweet and the way that she says that you gave her that you gave her the, the universe uh-huh. because her parents would never do so would never realize that she had this interest and then do this thing for her. Her parents have never and would never do that. So that is a huge thing for her. And he's like, it's just some stickers. But it isn't just some stickers, right? So then he goes to bed, and then he wakes up the next morning to kids talking in his house. And Jerome and Holly are there, and they are... She laid there looking at the ceiling very much like in the Queen's Gambit and shit came to her and she was like Willow Lake I'm like that's the password Willow right. Lake and some numbers or the password to this um the secret file that secret we heard file. about in the last episode when they open the session, it right. it's an audio file and mm-hmm. it is the sounds of the people being killed I don't know if it's actually the sounds of the people no, being killed I a- think it is a 
there's a simulacrum a of the people being saying, uh, my baby, you right. killed my baby right, or something exactly. like that. Yeah. And but so, it's screaming. It's this horrible sound. Right. And it is clear that somebody put this sound on her. This is the voices yes. that Olivia was hearing. They were real. And the, somebody put them on her computer and would have had to do so manually. Manually. They could have remotely accessed it any time after the fact, but they had to do it manually. And at that point, Bill's like, da, 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 that's evidence now. We're going to the fucking cops because he's also sat with the cops the day before and gone over. Well, it's obvious to the cops now. Yeah, yes. When Bill's car right. was exploded. Right. It they was, understand the, you, you need, we are very sorry that yeah. we did not take you seriously. We need you to work with the us level now. Of contrition too in those yeah. scenes where they both realize the two cops. Well, uh, but neither of them. They they both have that that girl that woman's death on their hands. Right. I mean, they definitely do. And it would have been Bill. It was Bill's yeah. car. So there's no reason other than just to torment Bill that it wasn't Bill in yeah. that car, you know. And they know that. Um. So he and he he is like more. Oh, he was like he's like okay, we're gonna go in to the police with this. And show them and tell them what's what's what, right? Um, really giving the police all the information because, like I said, in 2011, they didn't have, like, in or in Ohio, in this tiny town, they didn't have a forensic computing division. No. So they're trying to give them the information that they can. And then, meanwhile, Brady isn't doing good. Uh, he goes into work the day that his mom dies, which is wild. He looks like ass. He looks so pale and sweaty. Um, and Lou comes by, actually. And when they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, first of all, she's allowed to shop in the store. Yeah. Fuck face. And second, like, you're the only computer shop in town. So, but, and secondly, um, you know, she does this whole thing where she's like, um, in an effort to, you know, expand my employment possibilities, I'm undergoing conversion therapy. Yes. So I'm point. here to stand. Uh, my homework, my counselor gave me homework to stand in front of um, strong male specimens uh, in order to evoke a sexual response. And she's like, nothing. Like <laughs> she's like, nope, nothing. Actually, I'm here to talk to Brady. And then we also hear that she's suing them, which, which yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you need to sue them because they definitely should not have fucking fired you. So I was glad to hear that piece of it. But then she's like, I wanted to check on Brady, and so she's like, Brady, are you okay? You look like ass. And he's like, no, I'm good. So well, you got fired, it sucks she's, you got fired. A, she's a good actress. And she's like, no, what the you fuck is wrong with you? You can read in her eyes where she's looking at him going, Mm-mm, this is wrong. Yeah, this yes. is wrong. And You're something... wrong on a good day. Yeah. This is not a good yeah, day. There's wrong and there's wrong and there's this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he keeps, you know, shoving it off, shoving it off. And then the next day he just doesn't go in. Mm-hmm. And Frobisher shows up at his house and is like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm sick. And he's like, congested blowing uh-huh. his nose or whatever but he's also like 
and and Frobisher's like, well, you know, we're understaffed. And he's like, well, maybe you should have thought about that before you fired somebody. Yeah. That's not my fucking problem. I'm not the manager, dickwad. It's not my fucking problem that you're understaffed. Yeah. So, fuck off. And he's like, is this is this some sort of, you know, revenge for her, for Lou? And I'm like, fucking maybe a little. Well, I, I, I don't see the scenes involving his job are really frustrating, not because they're poorly written or anything, because they're so on the nose. They are very on the nose. It and is very... I like that they're kind of explaining. Uh-huh. As an employee, it is not your responsibility to cover a ship when you're sick. I didn't know this. It is not your responsibility. It's up to the company to have enough <laughs> As people you know employed. From my history, yes. yes, I know. This is a conversation we have yelled at each other about. I haven't yelled at you. No, I yelled at you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's like, no, I'm sick. And I'm entitled to take a sick day. And then he goes back inside. And he squeaks out a tear for Mama. I don't know if it's how, I don't know how real his tears are. I don't know. But he Could does seem genuinely upset. An infection from hanging around with his corpse. Could also j- literally just be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with that body, and it's yeah. going to start to fucking reek at some point. Like, I'm going to have to dispose of a body. That's yeah. a thing I'm going to have to do. My crime was explicitly so that I didn't have to dispose of a body. So, um, yeah, because if it's an, any kind of a sort of a questionable death they're gonna do a tox screen on her yeah. and there's rat poison in her system so she needs to it's be not a human anymore not a person scheme. anymore yeah so it's whatever he's be. working up to he needs to do now because he's not gonna be able to cover it when right which is why we only place. have two more episodes y'all yeah. solamente dos mas we're gonna watch them both for next week our Christmas Eve episode <laughs> so that's not great for theme, but um, that's all right. Y'all want to listen to a thing about murder on Christmas Eve, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Sounds great. In the meantime, do you have anything that you would like to recommend? I do. I, I just finished it, um, I think yesterday, on Amazon Prime, a TV show called Dickensian. Dickensian. It is good. Is you liked it. A uh, British television show from BBC One that's a couple of years old. It started in 2015 and the premise of the show was having mostly supporting characters from Dickens stories all living in London in the same area, frequenting the same tavern. Mm -hmm. And it's very well done. The only character that is probably one of the um, the main characters from one of his earlier works is Jacob Mar- uh, Marley and Scrooge. They play a large part in it. But uh, there's Havisham, you know, the mad woman from Great Expectations. This is yeah, the story of I how she goes. Miss Havisham. Well, I know, okay. but I don't know what the audience does. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Um, from Great Expectations, she's a large part in it. The actress who plays her does a wonderful job. Uh, the um, Bob Cratchit is a character. His wife is uh, the characters from Oliver are there. And so it has that interesting feeling as if, well, not as if, it 
you when you're watching it, you have this sense of you know what the future of all these people is. So you're watching them make the mistakes that will lead up to the point where everything breaks for them. And it um so it was really well done, really well acted. The actress who played the young Miss Havisham, uh-huh. her final episode, the, the episode of her going mad, I was wondering, how is she going to handle this? And she hit depths there okay. that were amazing. Um, the fact that uh, Fagin, who's another major character here, mm-hmm. um, when he complains that he's too soft-hearted, uh, even though he's running essentially a slavery business, and then he winds up the very final episode taking Oliver Twist, and you're going, oh, okay, that's that is going to be your own doing. So there's a lot of really great stuff like that, and it, it there's a great period feel to it too, and a lot of fine performances. So I, I enjoyed it. To me, it was like watching the Avengers. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, there's Captain yes, America talking to right. So it was interesting going, oh, Fagin is trying to talk a business proposition to Ebenezer Scrooge. And it's funny on one level. It's very, or the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was another one because I'd read so many of those books growing up. It's like, oh my God, Alan Quartermain was friends with Mina Harker, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, Yay. But uh, what about you? What about me? Hmm. You've had a very busy week, so I'm not sure that I have, but I am going to recommend a, a, a quick show, a quick, quick, Blah, blah, blah. A quick watch. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is a six-part documentary series that lasts maybe three and a half hours total. Uh-huh. And it is called Voices of Fire. Okay. And it is uh, about a pastor in Norfolk, Virginia, who happens to be the uncle of one uh, music producer and, and uh, musician, Pharrell Williams. So he is in this movie. It's, it's why the show got made, I'm sure. It was because he's like, oh, I know Pharrell. Is it father? Uh, or he, what's his relationship? Uncle. Uncle, okay. Yes. And he has the dream to put together the best choir in the world, uh-huh. gospel choir in the world. And so it's very much a little bit, it's a little American Idol. Um, it's a little every... Um, no, this is a reality show. It's a reality show. So this is I mean, it's not a reality show because it's not a competition. That's not what's happening. It's okay. a documentary of him putting this choir right. together. So we're not seeing people try. We're seeing people try out, but not in an American Idol way of let's laugh at the people who don't uh-huh. know what they're doing. Okay. They got a. They got thousands of applicants. They invited three hundred of the best to audition live. They cut it to 75 and then they cut it further before the, the final um, performance. Uh, the, um, and, and so there's uh, a lot of gospel music as, as, as you would expect. Right, the gospel choir there is a lot of testimony that is even to this and sort of non-believer, uh-huh. like cool to hear. Um, the music is gorgeous. The sing like all the singers are phenomenal. Like, like Frost, like you need unicorns. You're not gonna find that many unicorns. And then he's like, they're all unicorns. <laughs> like, and uh, and it's just it's that story. There's probably gonna be another season. There's there's definitely gonna be an album. Frost wants to um, do an album with them. He, they've performed with him 
backing him mm-hmm. at certain large events around the world at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but it's, and so we learn a little about a bunch of these people in this choir and okay. it's the putting together of the choir. There's a dude in it. It's the, the, their choir director who so much reminds me of the actor Romney Malco. It is upsetting to me. <laughs> right. I'm just like, well, I definitely know who's playing you in the movie. Like what yeah. is happening right now? It's crazy. Um, uh, and it's just nice. It's like, it's just a nice thing to watch. Act of contrition for blurred lines. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because that was a rough, rough go. So um, I recommend that. It's like I said, it's not very mm-hmm. long. It's lovely to have on in the background. Like I put it on when I was painting because the music was nice. The voices will carry. The voices, yeah, will carry. And uh, and the stories are good. So if you like reality stuff, yeah. if you like, if if you like watching the Olympics for the the uplifting stories of the athletes. This is your jam. This is going to be your jam. And like I said, I don't need gospel music in my life, but I don't hate when I get some. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a person who seeks out gospel, but when it, when I, I find some, it's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's a different, it's different. It's a different. I grew up in the church. Gospel is always in the background and it's when it's not there, you miss it. Well, and especially because like I sang in choir, Mm -hmm. the parts are different. Yeah. The vocal work is different. Like there's one of the dudes is the bass and gospel choirs don't have bass. Mm. They have tenors, altos, and sopranos. That's it. So he's not sure he can cut it, yeah. but his his testimony is very, very good. And he works with some of the other people to, mm. to hit those notes. Um, and they're like, you know, you can cheat some of this stuff. Yeah. When you're not in the solo, yeah. you can cheat some of these notes, which he didn't know he could, like, yeah. he, that would be acceptable. So they were like, yeah, we want you for what you can bring. We don't want you to kill yourself yeah. for what you can't do. So um, it's just nice. It's very, like I said, it's very, it's a nice thing to watch. With the holidays, Yeah, it's it's nice. It's, it a, it's a positive and uplifting thing. So uh, Voices of Fire on Netflix. That is my recommendation. Uh, I also recommend that you watch episodes nine and ten of Mr. Mercedes season one for next week. That's Something what we're completely watching. Completely different. Yes. yes, not so nice. Uh, and don't freak out if there's a cliffhanger, because you know TV wants you to come back yes. next season. There is a next season. We won't be watching it for a little while, but we will get back to it next year. Yeah. Uh, and in the meantime... Next year. Uh, well, yeah, because... I know. It's just... That's when we are. It, it It's odd to think of it that way. Yep. I didn't mean to no, it's okay. make it weird. It just reminded me of my age. Uh, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at... You can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet us at latecomerspod. You can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Until next week, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never.